This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 511. And the quote of the day is, do you want to be safe and good, or do you want to take a chance and be great? You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. Thanks for tuning in, episode 511. And hey, do me a favor. If you dig this podcast, if you listen to it a lot or you've listened to it a few times and you really like it, do me a quick favor. Head over to iTunes, leave a rating or a review, and that takes you about 30 seconds, and it lets people know that this episode, or this podcast, I should say, is is a good one to listen to, and it helps us show up higher in the search results when people are looking for drumming podcasts. So if you get value from this podcast, please do me a favor and do that quickly. And for those of you who are listening to this on Labor Day here in the States, I hope you're having a great holiday. And if you're not in the States, then I hope you're having a great Monday. So uh, let's get into this episode. This is with Usad Williams, and he is from the band Pepper. Many of you, I'm sure, know the band Pepper. And it's a really interesting conversation that we have about not only him starting in Kona, Hawaii, and then moving to the mainland, but some of the pushback they got from people from the sort of sublime community and how they grew their band and coming from really humble beginnings from the Warp Tour to where they are now and, and connecting with a lot of their idols. And and it's a really great conversation for anyone who's out there now that is trying to grow a band. So he also owns a record label you know, and a studio and things like that. So he understands how the industry works now, how it used to work, and and has a lot of advice for you know bands that are coming up now and shares his story about, about how they did it and the hard work that went in, into it, and it reminds me of the the old saying: "It takes ten years to make an overnight success." So great content here. I'm gonna stop talking, stop rambling, and let's get on with this conversation with Usad Williams. Usad, what's happening, my man? Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Of course. And now we just determined that we're like four miles away from each other. So probably could have done this in person. But here we are, you know, using technology like we're 10,000 miles away. This is so 2019 of us, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to meet up? Nah, man, we'll just do it over the computer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing. Hindsight's always 2020, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it saved, you know, it saved us. It saved us some uh, some drive time. So that's good. We're all about efficiency over here. Right, exactly. Anyone that's been in LA knows the traffic is not your friend. It is not. It is not. Uh, So I I typically, like, I don't want to, I'm not big on getting into, like, when you were seven, I did this, and and when I was eight, I did this. But I am always, but I am always interested to hear, like, how you got the drumming bug. So you're growing, you grow up in Kona, right? Yeah, Yeah. And, and music is a, is a very, integral part of the Hawaiian culture, I'm guessing, right? Just from my experience of being there. Yeah. Um, and I think less so than the mainland. Not that not that, I, not that music isn't a part of the American culture, but I feel like it's just different in Hawaii. Would you agree to, with, for that? Or would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's more uh, a, a main piece of the fabric 
I would say, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where, right. where, where certain parts of maybe other parts of the mainland, like you just nailed it, uh, uh, maybe can almost live without music where I don't mm-hmm. think there's anyone in Hawaii that can, that lives without it. You know what I mean? It's in every right. household. It's in school. <clears throat> You're singing songs that are, uh, uh, that are in Hawaiian class there, you know what I mean? Which, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, you're. I think you're absolutely right, and, and and one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen the new Joe Coy um, <clears throat> Netflix special. I haven't, but it but it's in Honolulu uh, at the Blaisdell Arena, and he just nails it like super hard. He's like everyone's like super, everyone's like real proud from Hawaii, you know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why uh, we're we're proud of the place we come from is is the music is so beautiful and the fact that it's so well integrated into the culture and into everyday life right i what i love about being in hawaii it almost feels like not that it feels anywhere like this but in terms of of just vibe wise like new orleans right so there's so many people in new orleans who are the same way that that i feel like this that it is in hawaii like this is just part of our culture. No, there's no, a lot of times there's no sort of agenda or, or end game. Like no one, like it doesn't feel like everyone's trying to make it, you know, like in LA, everyone's no. trying to make it right. In Hawaii, no. people are just playing music because it's part of what they do. Dude, it's because you're hanging out in their backyard and you have a barbecue going and, and right. your uncle has a guitar and he's, there's a term actually in Hawaii. It's called a, uh, uh, Connie Kapila. And that is just means, a backyard jam, just everyone, whatever, just playing a ukulele, playing a guitar, banging on a fence, and everyone singing along to, to whatever their favorite songs are, and and you know what I mean? It's like we even have a term for it over there that mm-hmm. that comes from that comes from uh, uh, the root of the culture. So, yeah, you you uh, once again, man, I, I love your your uh, angle on the whole thing because it's not that at all. No, no, no one's really trying to be famous. You know what I mean? It's like right. we 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 were lucky enough in Pepper that. We had our, our parents that exposed us to certain things like, you know, the music industry and just and crazy dreams and, and crazy ideas. And, and that's what led us to jump off the cliff, per se, and 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 follow the crazy dream of of, of making it in a band, quote unquote, you know. Mm-hmm. So but 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 at the end of the day, yeah, that's not the basis of, of anything. And that's why I think it's the best place that we could ever be from and we're so thankful because the opposite end of that is you go back and you're just you're just who you are and that's it and and nothing defines you you know except uh right. the the way you act and the things that you do and and the way you treat people and the mutual respect you know which is pretty much the the uh the code that every human should live by anyway as far as I'm yeah to- i mean yeah totally and it gets it gets lost you know and there's mm-hmm. i mean they're in such a, a time of there's so much chatter you know especially in the mainland and in a, in a time of all this technology like we're talking about uh talking uh 10 miles away from each other on 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 uh technology instead of <laughs> being in person but right yeah yeah there's a lot of ways that uh that you can get distracted for that. And in that sense, I, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt that that does lose sight of that. Like you say, it's such an easy thing, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of shit out there that's really, really distracting these days. Mm-hmm. It's hard to just keep your head down and, and sort of, well, you know, keep your head down and stay focused and also, uh, peel our eyes and ears away from TV and phones and, and all of that stuff to just sit and have a conversation. Like I think about it all the time when, 
if you're you're I'm out to dinner with my wife and she gets up and what's the first thing I do? Grab my phone. Totally, of course. You know, yeah, everyone like, does. Trying to break those habits when you're out with friends and you look around and you're like, man, there's six people at dinner and we're all on our phones. And I'm not, I'm not like talking smack on social media. I don't mean it that way, but yeah, you know, just that we as humans, I think, are losing sight of of uh, For a little sure. bit of that. For sure, because it, it it has its good sides as well. But like you said, it's 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 harder to really put your head down and just do you these days because mm-hmm. there's so much like oh look at what everyone else is doing and and inevitably because it's all getting shoved in your face. But taking it back to drumming, like I was uh, doing my podcast at Nam this last year, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I do it uh, graciously enough. Um, some of my endorsers, Zildjian and Vic Firth. Um, I do it back there. So I'm talking to a lot of the artists and, uh, I talked to, uh, Kenny Arnoff and he's just broke it down and he was saying how, man, one of the most important things is just being yourself with your drumming mm-hmm. with like the way you're dr- the way you drum, just be yourself and be comfortable with, with who you are as a drummer. And that like blew my mind. And I've thought about it like pretty much every day of my life ever since this was probably like eight months ago, the last NAM or whatever. And yeah, it was so, it was a true statement and it just really, it was one of those that just related to what we're talking about and just to life in general of just being able to keep your head down and just do you, you know, do you feel like you were gravitating towards different areas that maybe weren't you, but you were seeing it sort of in social media or in pop culture or, or something like that. I I think I just never really like thought about that type of a personality. I I never thought of my drumming as a personality. I don't think really, I like Mm -hmm. always, I, I, yes, I thought of like, the characteristics of my drumming you know what i mean like yeah i'm sure. a hard hitter i i i uh, uh i have these like semi-metal influences that i've snuck into reggae and like you know i've uh uh i have characteristics of course but i never thought about it as a personality and that canning's what made me think about it as a trait or a personality because just hey just be yourself man like with, with your drumming like because i think it was i don't know what i asked them about you know just some kind of bit of advice or whatever and and it was so rad because I'm like podcasting him for the podcast and it just shook my whole world in the best way. And But I mean, think about who you're talking about. Right. What a, leg- <laughs> what a legend. Right. <laughs> so, but that's, I mean, that's what life's all about, man. I'm just like constantly keeping my ears and eyes open and, and, and trying to soak up all the, the rad stuff. That's what, that's, the, and that's the part of like even social media or I, I keep saying, like, I feel like there's been multiple episodes that I've that people probably think I'm like shitting on social media but I am totally not like I, I actually <laughs> no, really yeah. I actually really like it and and I I love the the benefits that it has and it's so amazing like how many people I've met and how many doors it's opened and like how many just like great relationships that that I've built and I'm as I know other people have through social media um but my I guess my question is how how do we filter out the noise and use social media for the good and not let it go into the bad and look at other drummers and think, oh, I'll never be that good or, oh, I need to sound that way or, oh, I need to learn these licks or, oh, I, you know, and you and and make it a positive experience instead of this negative experience where I think a lot of people end up leaving social media that day feeling like feeling that they'll never be that good or, or feeling, you know, uh, uh, a little bit depressed and yeah, yeah, over overwhelmed, discouraged, like, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I mean I think one of them is, uh, uh, and I think this goes for maybe just drumming and just in general is, people need to like, 
measure themselves with the correct stick, you know, and not like, like for me, I always compare it to like surfing or something. And, and I, 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 I surf for fun. I grew up surfing and, uh, I play drums for, for fun and a living, but I play drums so I can go on surf trips as well. You know what I mean? But, right. but, uh, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I surf for fun. I'm not a great surfer, but I have the best time and it's the most freeing, most therapeutic. Just, I, I, w- I don't know what my life would be without it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not like looking at maybe even other friends that surf way better than me or, or like Kelly Slater and being like, God damn it. I'm not doing that, so it's bumming me out. You know what I mean? It's the same shit for drumming. It's like you, you got you got to really, I don't know. And that's just I, I think discipline, just self discipline in the in the conscious realm where it's like, I don't know. It's all about how you react to things, and that's all you have control of. And yeah, you just gotta you just gotta realize that. I don't know. At the end of the day, there's something to learn in all that stuff. But I mean, also, there's always going to be someone better than you too. So. That's right. that, that that fire that keeps you going, though, because what what would it be to get to the top of the mountain and not have anywhere to go? Yeah, not too not too fun, in my opinion. There's a there's a story about about Lionel Richie, and it was an interview, and he was saying, you know, I sold, you know, you know, when I was younger, I was trying to get, I wanted to be famous, and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to sell all these records and everything, and so I had the highest selling record of all time this year. My entire tour was sold out, blah blah blah, and he was like, I am at the top of the mountain. Yeah, and he's like, and you know what's up here? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's totally. nothing, up, you know, like it's not. Yeah. It's you don't reach the top and look out over over everyone else and say, "Oh, I made it. I'm at the top, and now I can retire or whatever." And I would imagine that it's a pretty lonely place. Yeah, no, I, I like I'm a, I'm about to turn forty this year, and we've been mm-hmm. the three of us have been in this band since 1997, and we moved to the main line in 1999, and you know we haven't done anything since. We've been blessed to live very very good lives uh, through this time and. And through it all, too, it's like, you know, we've had such high, we've had number one songs, we've had big record deals with major labels, we've um, done all this, and yes, there's been tons of expectations, you know what I mean? You have, as, as uh, uh, like, you're talking about, like, even someone as big as Lionel Richie, of course, you think of this shit in your head, oh, I got, just got this big record deal, oh, we're going to do this and that, and, and oh, imagine if this is going to happen, oh, it probably will happen, you know? And, um... And some of them happen, some of them don't happen. But I mean, now and with every day that I get older, I just like really appreciate and respect the process so much more, and realize that the process is kind of the the, the, the fun in it. And mm-hmm. even even when I look back in retrospect of the times where I kind of am critical of myself for like, man, you should have enjoyed that more. Even this the 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 I guess the mind state that I have nowadays, even the retrospect of looking back at those times is so much better when you just look at it as the process that has led you to what is now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, I just think that's a key part of it is, is really enjoying the process and the, and, and everything that it takes to get there. I think that's a thing that I think it comes with age. So like I'm, I'll be 39 in April. Right. So we're, I'm a little bit, you know, a little bit younger than you. Not right. a lot, but you know, whatever a year. Um, but but I think that you and I are in the same place in terms of looking back and and 
and now understanding about the process because I think even when I was in my early 30s and was touring, trying to build drummer's resource, you know, trying to do all these things. And it was like a, I remember it being like frustrating and, oh, yeah, yeah. and like waking up every day and I'm like, this sucks. And it was hard. And, and, and now, now building, I have another business that we're building. I was telling you about the podcasting thing. Now it's hard and it sucks and all that stuff, but I'm actually really just enjoying the process now. Yeah, totally. And I realize now in retrospect, all those, all those real highs and, and then the, the real frustrating moments, like you're talking about the real lows, that was just my take on it at the time. Like that yeah. was just, that was just me being like, fuck, like you said, this sucks. But that zero percent had anything to do with, uh, anything but my reaction to, of being like, fuck this sucks because i think it sucks and that's the only reason it sucks <laughs> right it's all about perspective right yeah, yeah totally man i mean uh, uh i just especially just being blessed to play music for a living and anyone that gets to is i mean wow you know really have mm-hmm. re- really have uh nothing to complain about in my opinion yeah one of the things that you that you mentioned about you know looking looking retrospectively and thinking, okay, that maybe that wasn't, I wasn't enjoying that process. And now as you get older, you you understand that you, that you should be enjoying that process. The hard part is how do you, or what is the advice that you have for someone who maybe hasn't gotten there yet? Like in terms of gotten there where they want to be or gotten there in terms of where they can enjoy the process and trust the process and respect the process because maybe they're not old enough yet or whatever it is. How, what is your advice for that? Cause it's easier said than done, right? Oh, it's like- to- to- totally. I mean, it's a lot of belief and faith is, is the, is the main thing. But I think having a clear vision of what you want to do is the, is the main, is the main first hurdle, mm-hmm. you know, instead of sitting there being like, okay, I don't know if uh, like this sounds kind of like a good idea, but I don't really know. Maybe I should do this. Having a clear vision of what you want to do, no matter like I think about our first album, uh, given it the one before Kona Town, and mm-hmm. that's so that's when we moved over to California with. And I look back and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I have a re- like we have a record label now, and I listen to bands all the time. And like if I if I would have heard that now, I think I would have been like, no fucking way, we're signing this band. So, <laughs> but at the but at the end of the day, I look back though, and I I knew we knew exactly i think once it all locked in that okay we're gonna move to the mainland uh we have some people that to talk to at volcom entertainment that started a record label we have some couple leads you know what i mean once there's a clear vision and and a crazy dream to follow and Mm -hmm. uh, we could see it then then it was you know then then it was kind of like there was end in sight i don't know right we didn't we didn't know the process at that point but uh but uh yeah having a vision is definitely i think one of the biggest hurdles of uh knowing what to do and then another thing where i mean having the right people around you too it's like it's like having the two other my two other brothers that like obviously made this their life just uh, as i did and, and we're, were able to agree on that that clear vision of this is what we want to do 
worst case scenario if it doesn't work in however many we i mean we never put any time on it we were just like this is what we're gonna do but we always would joke around that hey worst case scenario we kind of just fly back to kona and we all had good jobs at restaurants so we're like we can always go back <laughs> right but but it would but then again we never got jobs we lived in rooms together we did the whole thing so we we just knew that it was uh it was it was this was gonna happen so yeah, didn't you guys move here and and there was one room for rent, so all three of you guys rented one room? Totally, it was, and it was all that just kind of like listening to whatever you want to call it, the universe or uh, whatever. And you know, it was like, oh, one day it back in probably 1998 or whatever. It was we started the band in '97, uh, jammed for a while around Kona. Me and Brett graduated high school in June of '97. I went to San. I came to San Diego just as the first time away from home. My mom let me t- take a trip by myself. I went with a, a friend, one of my best friends from Kona. We went down to Mission Beach, stayed with his older brother guys right on the boardwalk. I remember I saw Bucko Nine play like some like daytime boardwalk thing. The, mm-hmm. the Scott, the ska band Bucko Nine for anyone that isn't familiar. Um, and uh, I just had some weird inkling that like, oh, that'd be so sick to have our band over here. Like, that'd be rad. Went back to Kona. I think I mentioned it to one of the guys, whatever, didn't think anything of it. But weeks later, they're like, hey, we just put our two weeks notice, like, let's do it. And I was like, wait, what? They're like, no, no, no. We just talked to our, <laughs> our, our, our girlfriend, uh, Tiffany Brown, that we all went to, like, is one of our best friends. That's a girl that we all grew up with. She had just moved to Carlsbad. So that's like, you know what I mean? Those are like the yeah. things that were falling into place that Clay and Brett were like, no, no, no we'll do it. I was like, shit okay and there you go the people you have around you that are like fucking let's go into let's let's go into battle let's go to war yeah um uh and and let's do it for as long as it takes and then even i mean you know what i mean and then we got over here we we did the whole van thing we did warp tour we set up the Volcom stage the whole deal and and uh you know to the uh to, to the uh regarding the aspect of the peaks and valleys it's like you know then we had a ton of great success with Conatown a few uh, years after we put it out with the Give It Up on being like number one on K Rock and everything, and and us being a band for twenty years though, of course we had some lows in between there too, and it's kind of all pulled us together to where we are these days, and we own our own record label. That's why I was telling you that I'm in LA right now because we have our own studio in Redondo Beach, which is actually Pennywise's old place. That's which awesome. is like an, another dream come true for us because we grew up listening to them on surf videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it just goes back to, I think, what I was uh, saying is just, you know, it's the same two dudes. I look around and what's what's the same shit? The same two dudes. Like, yeah. we've had different management. We've, you know, we've had uh, the same agency for uh, ever, but, you know, a couple different guys and whatnot. But, yeah, so. When you, when you, came, when you came to the mainland, was it was the thought process build the audience and focus on you know on the fan base touring and all that stuff or was it like get a record label get on the radio or was it a combination of all that because i think it's different now right but I'm, I'm curious what your what your strategy was then it was it was uh nothing about the radio that's for sure we kind of right, we weren't really hip to that yet like like to put it this way we <laughs> We got over here and we did. Uh, we linked up with Volcom Entertainment, like I was saying. Ryan and McGirt, uh, his band, The Line, um, uh, really sick uh, uh, math rock band they used to call it, but almost like progressive punk rock or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're actually back out these days, so uh, everyone go check out The Line. Um, but uh, he was starting Volcom Entertainment. 
Um, and he's the one that uh, was the lead. We came over, we met with them. They printed up like a thousand copies of that given it demo that I said I would have never put out on our own label if it was today. <laughs> and um, uh, basically we did after uh, we kind of hustled around Southern California for a while, they got a stage on the Warp Tour, which was like this totally just makeshift wooden pallet kind of stage mm -hmm. um, and offered us the, a spot on it in 2001. And the stipulation was we had to set up the stage and break it down every day as well. And um, there was bands like Coheed and Cambria playing on it in 2001. And, um, you know, a lot of bands that went on to become really big bands. Uh, so this and, was a buddy uh, of yours that started Volcom? Yeah, there was also uh, in the band called The Line. And his name's Ryan Immigart. Got you. Yeah. Because so, that's so, like a major, they're like a major brand and label yeah now. and he and he well he he was uh uh one of the first snowboarders sponsored by volcom back in like 1992 ryan Emigart. and huh. uh when they were just you know doing like doing the, the main owner richard wolcott back then uh was basically selling the shit out of his trunk and he had this small team of, ath of athletes, a couple skateboarders, a couple surfers, a um, couple snowboarders, Ryan Immigart being one of them. I guess Ryan got an ad in some snowboard magazine. So per their endorsement contract, Wooly owed him like 500 bucks or something. I guess instead of giving him 500 bucks, he just said, hey, maybe you could just get me a little studio time to make an EP with my band that I just started the line. And then, boom, that's how they started the record label in like the mid to late 90s. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, so they kind of ran side by side as Volcom entertainment and then the Volcom clothing brand, which uh, of course you're saying is a huge clothing brand these days as like the umbrella of the record label. Got ya. Yeah. So it was it's still, a, it, it was still a punk, super punk rock label though. You know what I mean? Like they mm -hmm. treated it like, like a full DIY, the full blown deal. And so hence why we get, we get on that warp tour and we're like sick, we'll set up the stage that's a whole nother story. It was the fucking most gnarly, hardest work that we've ever <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, like we're, we're, sure. we're, we're driving ourselves in a van in the, uh, we didn't have a trailer, thank God, but we're driving ourselves in this like Volca marketing van. And we, you know, after a week of realizing we had to be there before everyone to meet the semis, to get the pallets off the fucking semis and tell them where to go forklift them to on the field and get like, we we're full blown gnarly crew guys. Right. But then and then you had, had to play a show. Then we had to play 30 minutes and then wait for everyone to finish playing and then break the thing down. Yeah, it was so nuts. But going back to my long-winded story uh, of how pink and green we were is we got on that tour. We didn't even fucking know you needed T-shirts, man. We didn't even know about merch, quote-unquote. Right. And, like, we get on Warp Tour and we're like, okay, we have, like, our these CDs where they're like, oh, fuck. We're like, all these fucking bands have merch. We're like, God damn it. <laughs> so, so we, like, get a friend that we knew to, like, print up some shirts for us, whatever. Um uh, but so as far as back to your question of uh, of uh, what we kind of like intended it to do is definitely tour and build our fan base. We knew from, you know, we were huge fans of uh, of Sublime uh, always and forever. And at the time they had an album uh, out right actually right before we moved to the mainland, probably in 98, they released an album called Stand By Your Van. And, you know, it was like we just we kind of just knew and had in our mind, like, hey, we got to go buy a. But like even before we moved, like as we decided to move here, we're like, we got to go buy a van when we get there. That's just kind of the thing you do. And we got to go start playing shows. So we always had that, whether it was subconscious and then it turned conscious into our mind of tour, 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 go play shows. We know that's like kind of the deal. And, and it turned out to be, of course, 
the most return on investment ever to this day is touring mm-hmm. yeah. because even when you're fucking going out there and struggling and making no money and playing not in front of a ton of crowds you're still moving the needle forward you know what i mean you're still moving right. the chains um and uh even those character building gigs that no one's fucking watching you there's there's some good that's coming out of that shit mm-hmm. um yeah but, I mean, uh, you're, it's like you know you're practicing, you're, you're working on your live show, you're connecting totally, with one or totally, two people that so, it's like, Oh, you should talk to my buddy. Who's the, this guy. And you know, and next thing you know, that guy is, you know, introduces you to somebody else. And those dots are connecting for some reason, you know what I mean? And that like, and, and it's like, yeah, it's all about that's back to the process. You know what I mean? It's all yeah. about that fucking process. Um, so, but then also with Vulcan entertainment and be having that little link, uh, we knew that, we needed to make a good record, a new record. And they were also at the time, uh, having talking with MCA about getting like a label deal for their, uh, label because mm-hmm. they had just, they had also just signed CKY. Oh, nice. So and they're from my, was, they're from my hometown. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, they're, so they're, they're all, uh, I mean, shit. I mean, I think Chad's the only guy left in the chat and, um, and, uh, uh, shit. What, what am I thinking? Bam's, uh oh, bam's, bam's brother bam's brother yeah, yeah. jesse 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 I, I love you jess forgive me um <laughs> but uh uh they're the only two guys left i think that we know but uh, my point was we you know we were really good friends with those guys because they're our label mates for a long time and they were like the the golden child on the label because it was before, when they were blowing up before they got the major record deal uh, and put out that um that one album uh the one after the disengage the simulator album and whatnot um and uh, so th- I think through all that momentum, they were uh, talking to MCA. Uh, CKY was um, blowing up with that volume number one record. Um, and then I think they got so much heat, they ended up just leaving and making that infiltrate, destroy, rebuild record with Island Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and But in turn, uh, Volcom ended up getting this uh, distro deal with MCA. Hence, we landed in the studio right after that warp tour at West beach studios in Hollywood, which was fucking huge for us. We nice. were like, blo- we were blown away cause we knew Pennywise recorded a bunch of albums there. We knew bad religion recorded there. We knew no effects recorded there. We knew, um, sublime recorded the, a uh, few studio tracks from the Robin, the hood album there. Mm-hmm. We were like, we were totally geeked out. We we're like, are you kidding me? And you know, the, and these are all like, I think the, little expectations you get in your head where in retrospect you look back and you're like fuck that's that's was so awesome but you know maybe thinking other like oh shit this is it like i wonder if like we're gonna like like become this huge band now but it was like no that's when the work was starting you know yeah and that's That's what they always say you know when you sign the record when you sign the record label you think you've made it and it's like nope that's when that's when the work starts when you sign it yeah totally and that's why it's rad having our own label is Sometimes it's hard for other, like talking to young artists, for them to understand that and be like, you know, you're, what you're doing is you're signing a very like strategic and strong partner and, and we're going to go forward together and we're going to crush this thing and take it to the top of the hill. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of, um, uh, you know, the thing that we learned right away, cause I, we learned it right away because we got into West beach and we, uh, they teamed us up with Steve Kravak who did the, at that point he'd done the. MXPX album with Chick Magnet on it. Mm, I'm not so, familiar with it. Yeah, they're uh, they had they were they were pretty. I, I don't know if it was on Mojo or, but 
but they, it, they, it had a it was a pretty big song in like the late 90s in that mm-hmm. like pop pop punk kind of realm even maybe even like skyish kind of realm that the right, right. that the gold that the gold fingers and and uh no doubts are like blowing up at the time real mm-hmm. big fish all that um but uh Kravac just it was our first experience with a producer in a real blown full-blown studio we were recording the tape and we'd never even heard of a click track you know what i mean so this was like, how did that this, go <laughs> oh god it was brutal like like Spravac is kind of like a pretty like like for lack of a better term like stiff canadian and, <laughs> and he was just like Man, are you guys kidding me? Like, like I don't know. For he wasn't telling us this exactly, but he was basically like, "You guys fucking suck, man. Are you kidding me?" Because <laughs> it was a bunch, though. It was our nerves were like me personally. My nerves were through the roof. I was like, mm-hmm. like, and then once it, like you start blowing it a few times, I just went into that that just downward spiral of like, yeah, I, I don't know. This was two thousand uh, late two thousand one, so I was probably twenty years old, you know, and I was. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I was kind of questioning the whole, like at that point, I probably, I'm not sure, but I probably was thinking like, yeah, we can always move back if we need to. Yeah, you know what I mean? Then, like, <laughs> I guess I, I remember like kind of questioning like, shit, man, this is heavy. I don't know if like we're cut right after that warp tour and then that. And it was, but in like probably pretty close retrospect, I just realized like, no, this is like, we got to put our head down and we're, we're fucking doing the work now. And, and this is just the way it happens. I think I even talked to a few people too that, you know, through that experience, they were like, "Oh no, don't get down on yourself, man! Like, it's all good. Like, it's just a studio experience. It ha- yeah. it's, it's it's totally growing pains, <laughs> right? That's what they yeah, call it. dude, totally. It's totally normal. Do don't do not do not be afraid of this. It's not weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so um, we uh, ended up putting that out, and um, that was kind of I think the the realization of like, yeah, sick. Okay. Now we made like a competitive record. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we, again, just knew, okay, what are we going to do? Let's hit the ground and let's start touring again. And, and what was our, our ultimate well to pull from? And it was warp tour, except we knew we learned some lessons and we, <laughs> we were one, like, w- one, we're not building the stage. <laughs> yeah. One, which I mean, they're to, to, the, to, uh, immigrants credit and everyone, they're like, Oh no, no. I mean, you guys did it one year. You guys are going to do that again. No, don't worry about it. And we also, we didn't do the whole tour that year either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, and we had like a nice brand new, uh, sick Econoline 15 passenger van with like just killer AC. So we we're, I mean, dude, that summer we were living the dream. It was awesome. Like we had so much fun and, and that was the summer. I forget how I was talking to. You. I was telling someone else recently of the story, but um, uh, that was the summer that I totally. I've seen footage recently, and I totally remember it hitting me of like, "Fuck yeah, this is working!" Like yeah. something's something's starting to work here because I remember the shows in Florida, and I remember there was people like doing the synchronized clap like all along for like the kick drum of like "Give it up" of like the "Why don't you have some dirty hearts?" And, like yeah. and singing along and like the whole deal, and I was like, and there was like 500 people at some of the at some at the biggest ones in Florida, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, it's t- you, you know what I mean?" Like just any yeah. I think, my, milestone or, or whatever you want to call it, I was like. I still get the chills every time I talk about it. And, and so, yeah. And then, and then that was the, that was the stamp. Like, okay, we're fucking onto it. We, we were right. This is going to like, this is, let's keep doing this. Cause it's, it's working. And I think it's going to start working better and better the more we do it. Um, um, and yeah. And then, 
and then just i don't want to get completely caught up on all the uh uh the history stuff but i mean there's so much of it and, and it's mm-hmm. been such a bl- it's been such a blast but um after that was like i guess the the uh the 311 era we we uh, linked up with the 311 guys because the, their their producer ron saint germain produced our next album uh in with the old um and so uh that's got ashes on it and uh um back home and freeze and a bunch of, of uh, regular songs in the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we uh, go to their studio and that's like our initial time of meeting up with them. And then I think like we were just, but we were, our head was down. We were doing, we were doing us and, and everything, all the pistons were firing and all the shit started happening around us. We we're like, um, uh, K rock started playing, give it up. Cause we made this like our management made this like radio edit and kind of like a year and a half after the, the record came out, took it into K rock in LA and just it randomly just started blowing up on K rock. And, um, that's when we, uh, we kind of went the major record route with, uh, um, Atlantic records. And then the three eleven thing came back around. Nick Hexham wanted to produce some of our next record, um, kind of off the steam from, um, the, uh, give it up single, so then next thing you know, we're back in 311 studio with Nick Hexum, the singer of 311, again, who we'd been listening to our whole life, and he and he's producing our songs for us. That's great. Um, yeah, and it was just, it was, it was, I mean, fuck, like, like, you talk about, like, it was, in retrospect, then it was like, we were just absolutely, like, living the dream. I still consider, we're still living the dream, but it was like, fuck, at that point, it was all new, and we were like, wow, like, are you kidding me? this is this is amazing and we're making them and and you know what a, a huge factor to that was too is nick hexham showed us how much fun being in the studio could be and making music in the studio could be the polar opposite of us being really young musicians and really stressed out and under the gun and and having scared like, and whatever yeah having yeah. like performance anxiety basically like uh, like because we rolled in there like okay okay, we got these songs, Hex, like, let's do this, man, you want to work? And he was like, what, like, what, like, what do you guys like, <laughs> like, relax, like, let's do this. <laughs> like, I think that was, I think that was uh, back in the day, like, he still drank back then too, I think, like, cracked like a Paps Blue Ribbon, like, dude, let's do this, guys, it's all good. Yeah. And like, and we we're more just way, like, used to like, kind of like a regimented, like, hey, let's do 50 takes, let's fucking do this. And like, dude, we'd roll into the, the, the hive in our studio, I'd do like the song, each song, like three times around, on the drums and hex just lean into the uh, microphone like you're hired (laughs) that was his thing he was all we'd all do takes he's like i fucking love it you guys it's fucking and he just made us feel so good and you listen to that album man no shame and it's like it it's a it's a rad album that will probably never die and and it's one of our fans favorites so and then that and then the other half of that album uh was paul leary the legendary paul leary from the butthole surfers that Mm -hmm. also he produced the sublime self-titled record and santa ria and all that amazing amazing music and stuff that uh we continue to listen to today um so he did another half of that record in the south bay of los angeles right next to our studio that we have now and that was kind of like our first introduction to the south bay Mm -hmm. um and we realized that there was this little nook in Los Angeles that like kind of wasn't like all the craziness of Hollywood and Beverly Hills. It's like, I don't know. It's a real small town vibe here. And that's like kind of what, what we love about it. And, uh, but you definitely shouldn't, no one should come here though. It's all good. 
There's enough people here already. <laughs> there's, a, there's not a there's there's no apartments or houses for sale Fuck or for that. rent. So oh, uh, oh my god, it's insane. The cost of living in like somewhere like Manhattan Beach is just it's, it's insanity. Insane. Yeah, it's crazy. But I saw. Um, I mean, not to not to get away from it, but no, no, no. Speaking okay. of Los Angeles, I saw a a stat the other day that uh, that homelessness has gone up. It goes up. It went up fourteen percent since last year. Yeah. And I think 71% since 2005. That's insane. Yeah, I, I have kind of on the, the uh, I don't know if it's similar, but but kind of, uh, I have a friend up in San Francisco that said he made a little over $100,000 last year and he qualified for uh, low income because yep. the Bay Area, I heard hundred grand's low income these days yep. in the Bay Area just because Silicon Valley's just blown everything yeah, so out of the water. It's insane. And, and that's, you know, one of the things uh, I had a conversation with Jason Sutter and he was saying that, do you know Jason? No, uh, I don't think so. Drummer, he, he played with, uh, he was with Marilyn Manson for a while and and, uh, okay. and Soundgarden and uh, a bunch okay, of other okay. people. He's actually playing with Cher now. He does, he, he's, uh, he's been with her for a while. So, uh, but he was saying like, you know, it's, ex- it's expensive. You can't be an artist in new york anymore you can't be an artist in la anymore you can't be an artist in miami anymore it's, you just can't afford to live there yeah yeah totally it's there's insanity no, there's no way to be a struggling musician in a in a in, in a, a town city. like yeah in a town like new york city are you kidding me yeah it's crazy what yeah. so you were talking about coming up here and, and sort of your your uh your approach to touring and record label and all that yeah sort of stuff. yeah yeah how does that change I mean, now as yeah. a record, as a record label owner, you have new bands that are coming in. Like obviously, yeah. you're, you're no one's sitting around talking about like, man, if we can sell you know a million CDs, you'll be good. You yeah, know? no, totally. We're a uh, because uh, that's I mean, kind of where I left off in my story was after that that No Shame record was kind of what pivoted us to lead us to where we are now, and that's really like with our own record label, Law Records, with uh, uh, our own studio, Connor Town Recording, and. And uh, yeah, all these bands and, and I mean, I think the, I mean, yes, records aren't selling a ton, but I mean, people are consuming music more than they ever have Yeah. by, by a landslide, you know? So, and then, and then with all the streaming and everything, I mean, it is, it is, it's funneling a little bit towards the artists now, instead of just being this like crazy shit storm of what's going to happen. We don't even know, like. Right. We don't even we don't even know what's going to happen, but you know what I mean. At least there's some method to the madness now. Uh, is it is it fully contained and figured out? No way. But 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 there's it seems like there's a um, a work in progress now. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the main thing now is like fuck, man. We just like having fun and and doing and thinking of rad shit to do. Like to to market the records and and to tell people about the music that we believe in if whether it be our new record or whether it be uh bands that, that we're fans of because that's we really base our record label model off of something like epitaph in the 90s or like fat records in the 90s where right it's just a bunch of bands we meet on the road and like i i mean uh like i was telling you about my podcast uh my drummer podcast disposable heroes i had a good friend we'll be sure uh, to uh we'll be sure to bleep that out no, yeah, kidding. yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It'd be like, Durr. no, but uh, 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 I had Vinny on there, though, and he, you know what I mean? He told me his whole deal with signing Fall Out Boy and all these bands and, and uh, uh, finding out about Panic at the Disco because Pete Wentz just gave him a, the demo. It was his friend's band. He just checked this out. 
it's just it's just being out touring and finding bands that you play shows that you're basically a fan of and that you like and think other people should hear and that's why we that's how we are able to get so passionate and do these fun things like for instance with our last record or the last pepper record you know we ramped it up we uh, uh did a bunch of rad stuff with uh, some 2d animation we did uh, uh um you know, a couple sneak attacks with the instant gratuity tracks. And then about five days before the release, we were like, you know what? We should just unleash this fucker on our own uh, record label's website two days early just for everyone to come and check it out early and whatnot. And that was just something we thought of like two days before and did it. And it worked out so, so well. It drove like our pre-sale up like substantially this hmm. whole deal and it was something we thought of in a day executed the next day and it was happened where that would have never happened with uh, another probably even independent record label but definitely right. not a not a major record label so i mean i think just that that's the huge value is the speed that you can do things in and the and the um the i mean i guess it's just uh with with us too and it's uh individual teach record label but i mean shit if we think something something's rad we're just let's do it and let's see how it works that's kind of i think a, a, a real good way in my opinion of doing things these days with so much happening and so much chatter where there's a fine line to, to walk because you don't want to be spitting out too much shit but you right. want to be spitting out enough where you can see if something's going to stick you know Hey, do yourself a favor and check out Promark's Select Bounce Drumsticks. These sticks give players the ability to fine-tune their standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, check out the Forward Balance. These are front-weighted and give you enhanced power and speed. If you are playing jazz or funk or gospel, then check out the Rebound Balance. These are rear-weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus, they're made by Promark, which you know you're going to get a quality product because they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. Plus, they're paired by pitch and by weight, so there's zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your stick bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch, or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 dash drumsystem.com or just google sonar sq2 you'll find it check it out the sonar drum configurator are you guys more more in the more of the mindset that we're sort of in a in a singles world versus no no way no no way there's still great value in in a full album i think well let me let me rephrase that uh are we 
are you guys doing more things where you're like releasing single, releasing single, releasing single, and then putting out the full record versus um, versus like here's the whole record and here's the first single off the record? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we haven't we we haven't in this digital age ever released something all at once. We've definitely uh, rolled it out, but we but I believe I think what I'm saying is I always believe something stronger when it's attached to a full album. Yes. You know, like whether yeah. you're going to roll out one to two to three to whatever, even four singles, and then you it's attached to a 12 track album that that tells, you know, some sort of a not necessarily a story, but that is just a, 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 a complete thought, whatever, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I, I mean, I'm old school, so of course I think that, but I see that as well because I see when we put out singles for us or whether it be another artist and it's just not, I don't know, like for lack of a better term, taking it seriously. Yeah. It, it almost, to me, it almost makes songs feel disposable if they're not connected to a record. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. And I don't know why, like, I guess the same thing you're saying. And, and I, I don't disagree with not taking it as seriously. I think that's, that's, I, that's fine to not take a single as seriously because I don't think it is as serious. Right. And I love when I, it, when I hear a single, I want to go to, I want to listen, like this may be us being a little bit more old school, but I like going to grab a record and listening to the whole thing. You know, I'm saying, yeah. oh, this is a cool song. I'm guessing this is part of a bigger compilation or a bigger story or a bigger, you know, thought. So let me go grab the record and hear more songs along the lines of this one. Totally. That's and I, I love anyway. Totally. I, I love that too. And then another kind of version of that is I love hearing the song that they put out first and then hearing the rest of the album and being like, oh my God, look at these other songs. Like these are way better than these ones they put out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but those are just like, that's just, that's just the rad thing about being a music fan, you know? And that, like, I, I remember, gr- you know, growing up when it was just your standard, like, uh, uh like whatever Nirvana was coming out or, or whatever band was coming out, you know, whoever it may be. And they're going to put out a single. Um, yeah. Nirvana is a bad example, by the way, because all their songs are just amazing. But right. a lot, a lot of time I would hear a single and then I'd hear the record and I'd be like, shit, there's a lot of better songs on it. But I didn't realize the separation between commercial and commercial appeal and not, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm like a B side guy. Sure. Yeah, 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 and and I don't know. Again, I just think that's another beauty of of, of music and being a fan of music. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder. I'd be interested to see sort of what the what the effects are from because years ago, you know, remember like you would have to buy a record for the single, right? Unless they put out the single as a as an individual thing, but a lot of times they didn't. So yeah. you would have to buy the whole record if you wanted that one song, and now. You can sort of do you can do both. You can buy one song, or you can buy the whole record, or you know stream it or whatever. I'd be interested to see if that's widening the the music audience because now you're getting sort of a different type of consumer, a different type of listener, because yeah. you're getting the person that's interested in the single and the people who are listed interested in the record together. I don't know. It'd be yeah, interesting well, to see. It's less committal. There's like a less committal thing going yeah. on now because back then I think the two different versions of it was. There was your like non-fairweather fans that went to the uh, music store to Tower Records and bought CDs or mm-hmm. tapes or even, and then there was your fairweather music fans that just turned on the radio and listened to the radio. Yeah, 
Yeah. That, that, Did that you ever was... do the Monday night thing where like you go to the record store on Monday night? And it, no. What was that? So records always came out on Tuesdays. Oh, 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 oh! Where you went and like waited so, in line? Well, there was a record store by my house that opened every Tuesday at midnight, and they were open from midnight till one in the morning. And God. and you God could go. It. And you could yeah, go we, and like buy the record that was cut. So I would have it like Tuesday morning. I'd be rolling into school with like the new Snoop record or something. God like, damn it! How did you get that already? And I'm like, I, I bought it last night. Yeah, no, we didn't have any of that cool shit in Kona, man. Like seriously, we did. Like we had a, we had one, one, wait, no, two record stores growing up, and one of them was like half like a head shop and like sex store kind of deal right called, it was called rhythm and reading and i'd sneak to the back when you're young you'd be like whoa like right. um and uh uh then we didn't and we didn't get mtv until like 1989 wow and we like taco bell maybe 1990 mm-hmm. so right yeah it, yeah i mean definitely in retrospect god damn wish we never would have got it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is not good for you um <laughs> but uh uh yeah so we uh uh yeah we were that was the only like trust me the cup was way way more than half full maybe even uh, probably overflowing most of the time but yeah for certain things like finding certain cds or i mean like i remember when we first got into sublime it was because of course uh i heard uh hope the descendants cover which was on a surf video and i was already into pennywise and no effects and stuff so i i thought the sublime band was like another like of one of these like epitaph punk rock bands mm-hmm. so my mom i gotta find the sublime band eventually she got me over to oahu flew me over there like for something she had to do something else but flew me with her and there was a record store called jellies it's still there they had uh, comics baseball cards just the whole deal and they had tons of bootleg records and and everything um so yeah so i uh flew over there with my mom and went looked through looked through they didn't have 40 ounces of freedom which was a bummer and they coincidentally found that black record uh robin the hood mm-hmm. which they recorded the few songs at west beach at uh which aren't like the four track recordings on there uh, um so yeah so it was those those were like the few downfalls is is some i guess even I guess just even right below mainstream stuff was pretty hard to get, you know? Sure. Sure. It's funny. You you can like go to play a gig and they're like, these guys, you guys sound like sublime. And you're like, who, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, let me get, (laughs) let let me tell you that when we first moved to California, we got hated on so bad for, I think it was just maybe like Bradley had just died a few years before. I don't know, but we got this huge backlash of like, you guys are such sublime ripoffs when we first, when like we first made a website and like message boards were a thing, you remember right. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and just we would just get torn apart. We were like, "Gee, what is raw? What is going on?" We love Sublime guys. Um, wow. But uh, but yeah, it was it, it was a it was a funny thing, and I mean, obviously now it's just like Bradley's this icon that's that's the one that started this. I mean, from the time we started our band till now, I mean, there's these huge festivals like One Love Festival in Long Beach and. Cali Roots up in Monterey that 15,000 people a day come to that are just bands in this genre that back 15 years ago or even 10 years ago was for uh, the most part was just us and slightly stupid. Wait, 15,000 people a day? 
Yeah, uh, the One Love Festival here in um, uh, at uh, Queen Mary, you know, in that, oh, that park, okay, okay, okay. That, that that park on the side of Queen Mary. Yeah, they yeah. do. They do fifteen thousand people a day. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking, like in perpetuity, like fifteen thousand people a day. That's what I was thinking. Oh yeah, I yeah. Like, I was like, no. oh shit. Yeah, no, they <laughs> do. Insane. They do. It's every February around um, uh, the middle of the month, or I think around like Bob Marley's birthday. Yeah. And but it's just all it's it's weird. It's this. Yeah. Here's kind of another subject too. just kind of pivoting is it's weird because this like California uh, mainland reggae, I guess you could call it that that mm-hmm. ki- kind of like, you know, started with uh, from Sublime because what Bradley was doing was adapting a lot of authentic reggae music and putting it into his own music, you know, and that's how uh, a lot of people found out about it. And um, but in front of that, though, all these other bands have gotten so popular with this mainland reggae, and there's almost been a, a loss of, of heritage with all the like authentic artists sometimes, mm-hmm. where they're definitely not as big as, I mean, you think about a band like Revolution or something, and those guys are selling out like kind of some of the biggest venues across the country where there's like multi-platinum artists playing the same venues, you know? Yeah, so yeah. you're not getting like a yellow man or, uh, um, you know, a Barrington Levy or, or any of these authentic artists doing crazy business like that. And it's interesting. It's just, it's, it's very interesting to me, but, but it, but it's all intertwined in the same sense. Like all these festivals I talk about, they do have the, uh, like authentic artists on and Jamaican reggae artists on there and whatnot, but it's just evolved in this whole, this whole another monster. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. yeah we- I mean, no, no, we used, go, go ahead. We used to tour with um we used to tour with a band called uh why can't I think of the name? Um uh, it'll come to me. Badfish. And they were they were like a sublime tribute. Yeah, band. yeah, I'm familiar and, with them. Uh yeah, so and huge, right? And there's you know, they sold they were selling out like five thousand seat clubs and stuff like that. The interesting part about what they did, so they they came out and did all the sublime stuff, which I don't really know how that works. I don't know if they have to if they're paying royalties to Sublime or what. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But uh but then they would go upstairs and go or you know, go into the dressing room, get changed and come back out and play as a band called Simon Says. And it was literally the same band. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know they did two bands like and but it was original music. All original music. So they got 5,000 people to come to their show with their with their Sublime tribute stuff. Yeah. And, or no, or let me let no the other way around. Simon Says used to open for Badfish. Got you. They open for themselves. They nice. would open for themselves. So they would come out and there's like all these, there's 5,000 people there who are there to see Badfish. They would play, you know, seven songs of Simon Says and be like, we're Simon Says, thanks so much. And then they would leave and then they would come out as Badfish and it was literally the same exact people. Smart though. That, yeah, no, exactly. Are you kidding me? Opening for yourself? That's legendary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like allow myself to introduce myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> help, help me help you. Yeah. Uh, so talk to me about some of the stuff that you guys have going on, uh, not only with Pepper, but but the other the other stuff that you have going on with the label. I know you guys are, are yeah. be out on the road and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the, the latest album we just put out called Local Motion 
um, came out on June 28th, uh, of course, on our label. And uh, it's been doing really good uh, um, uh, just uh, as far as, you know, on both sides, on the business side of the record and on the uh, uh, way it's been received by the fans. And, and we, we couldn't be happier. It's one of our favorite records. We um, had a bunch of different uh, friends that are also uh, artists, most of them produce different parts of this album so like a a stick figure who's a really good friends of ours they did a a couple of songs Uh, dave from the dirty heads produced a song um our good friend noah cronin uh from hawaii who's at a studio called c major seven who did uh, all the landon mcnamara records and he's Mm -hmm. just a young he's a, a younger kid that i mean at the end of the day he's a big fan of our band and 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 in turn we're a big fan of everything he did and so it's been this really cool process of working with these uh, these production teams that are almost like peers and uh, just so passionate about about wanting to do this stuff. Like, I mean, we've talked to Scott and he's just like, yeah, man, I just grew up on uh, Scott from Stick Figure. Excuse me. And he's like, I grew up on Kona Town. So he's like, that's like that's awesome. one of my all time favorite records. So he was like, that was my whole deal. I kind of just wanted to get that kind of Kona Town sound kind of back for you guys and kind of inject a little bit of his of what he does too and and then you got you got warning and candy or the two songs that he did on it and i mean it's crazy because he just did that he, he like hit that target perfectly and, and it's so rad so um yes yeah, so we put out that record and we're just we couldn't be happier so we're just on this like new high and there's this just whole new just adrenaline just just shot into us and we just finished a summer tour with uh, our really good friends iration that are from hawaii too um and uh, right now we're just taking a little break i myself am actually uh when when is this coming out in a couple of days i would imagine yeah, at the yeah. soonest yeah. um yeah we're announcing this monday so i don't know if it'll be out after that this but, is coming uh, out monday actually oh perfect so yeah. today, so today <laughs> today dun, 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 uh yeah uh just announcing that uh, i'm gonna be the uh sit-in drummer for the 8g band on late night with seth myers what on, nice yeah september nice. september september 16th to the 19th so those nice. four shows say what's up to eric for me while you're there uh yeah is he in the band no eric's probably the guy who booked you eric lederman oh Lederman. yeah yeah, yeah. Lederman's, he's my boy sorry yeah. I, th- I thought you meant one of the dudes in the band yeah dude that's epic you know lederman i do yeah was he on your podcast was he on the podcast uh had him on the podcast yeah Yep. Uh, sick on this one as well, huh? Yep. Oh, yeah, he's a Chad, good dude. From Chad Smith to Lederman, I'm yeah. fucking, I'm honored. That's gonna be <laughs> the new. Uh, that's gonna be the new, the new tagline from Chad Smith to Lederman. Every, we don't even have to say Eric. We'll just say Lederman. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna text him right after. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm wearing a Megadeth hat today. And I actually texted him it earlier. He just texted me back. He's like, nice. What? nice. <laughs> he's he's a he's a legendary dude. But yeah, no, he's you should nice you should be like, man, I just did an interview with this guy Nick. He didn't have many nice things to say. Yeah, <laughs> he was telling me to watch out when I go do the show. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but man, I was so stoked. Like talking about like a kid's dream come true. Like I like I was like I was like, what? Are you kidding? You you you're down to have me on the show it was like mind blown that is so, yeah, awesome that, i know man just talk about a bucket list and and like i said just another pinch me moment in my life that's what i mean it's all about I'm kind of when did you say you're you're doing it it's uh september 16th to the 19th 
Oh, okay. I was thinking. I was like, oh, I'll be in New York next week. But oh, oh actually, I'll be, yeah. I'll be, in, I'll be, in, I'll actually be in New York to the sixteenth and nineteenth too. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll do one of the shows while you're there. Oh, come out for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, dude, that'd be amazing. I'd be really stoked to have you out and meet you face to face since we blew it ten miles down the road from each other <laughs> yeah. in L.A. Might as well do it all the way across the why, country, right? Why don't we fly to the other side of the country to meet each other? Why, yeah, you know. I like it. I like it. <laughs> awesome. But um, uh, yeah. So then uh, I got that going on and. Um, uh, we're planning a headlining tour right now for, uh, early, um, next year. So that's kind of the next leg of the, um, touring for the local motion touring. Um, mm-hmm. and we, we've got a bunch of stuff going on, man. We've been making wine lately. Uh, awesome. uh, we, uh, some really good red wine. We have two red blends and a cab and a rosé from Paso Robles. We partnered up with a, a good friend of ours called the wine boss from up there. Um, so yeah, man, we're just having fun. It's all, That's it's all, awesome. it's all just, it's fun. Cause we've reached the point where we're le- not really doing anything. Cause we have to, we're like, shit, we love wine. And this opportunity came like, so uh-huh. let's, let's do, let's do it. You know what I mean? And, I just uh, had some, uh, some Hawaiian wine for the first time ever. Oh, nice. Was it while I was in Kona? Uh, was it? no, it was in Kona. Oh, nice. Where was the yeah. wine from though? Do you know? The, it was grown. It was grown there. They said, because, oh, oh, and they sick. were like, they were saying that, because of the the uh, the volcanic ash and everything, it, it with the soil, it gave it this yeah. sort of unique, like minerally flavor. But my wife works in wine, and and so we were we'd never you know we try a lot of wine, and I've never had Hawaiian wine, and neither had she. So she was like, we should stop by, and we had it, and it was good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm sure uh, that's why. I mean, no, the volcanic soil is no joke. Yeah, that, that's pretty. That's it was pretty like, interesting. Some... It it tastes it tastes you know different. Obviously, yeah, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yes, and then we got a, a couple festivals throughout the end of the year. We're doing uh, this a, a Wonderfront Festival in San Diego. Um, we're doing this Mayan Mayhem, uh, like like tattoo convention thing in Mexico in December, um, and then uh, yeah, and then the holidays, and then the tour, and and then we're probably gonna make some uh, more music too next year i like it so i like it yeah where's the where's yeah. the best place for people to keep up with you and follow along with what you got going on um instagram's probably the best and it's just my name at yasad williams y-e-s-o-d williams um and uh then the band is uh at pepper live so because the band is pepper and the uh instagram and all the socials are at pepper live all one word p-e-p-p-e-r-l-i-v-e um, and then the website's pepperlive.com. So, uh, yeah. And then law records too, man. We got a, a such a, a, a really cool roster of, uh, young and, uh, you know, um, medium old artists and we're the oldest on there. So we're the, uh, we're the elder statesman on there, but there's so much, so much rad music going on. And like we were talking about earlier, I mean, people are listening to more music than ever and there's more ways to find out about it. Which mm-hmm. is like I think about when that story I just told about how hard it was to find music back in Kona, and I mean nowadays is the exact opposite. So, I mean, get out there, and whether you're listening to our music or the music from our label, just go search and find music because there's so much going on right now. Yeah, there's I mean, and there's so much stuff that's like you know obviously not on the radio, not getting promotion, not you know not in in everyone's face. But like you start going down the rabbit hole, man, you can find some really amazing music. Yeah, no, For absolutely. Sure. And Tool's new album's coming out uh, a few days ago, as this airs a few days ago. So, 
There Loving that. There you go. What's the name of your podcast again? Uh, Disposable Heroes, uh, nice. named after the Metallica song "Disposable nice. Heroes" from uh, Master of Puppets. Awesome. I'm getting ready to head to the gym. I'm gonna queue. I'm gonna queue up an episode. So. Yeah. Hey, dude, I gotta have you on my podcast sometime. Let's do it anytime yeah. you want, man. Sick. Okay, I would love cool. to. I would love, love to. it. Love it. Awesome, All man. Right. You saw it. I appreciate it. Thank you uh, for the time. I know that you're you're a busy man. So uh, and it's too bad we didn't do it in person, but we'll we'll link up here soon. Dude, I, seriously, keep me posted on New York, and I'll make sure and tell Lederman uh, that you said hello. And I really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Likewise, my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Hello. There you have it, the one and only Usad Williams. Be sure to check out the show notes. Go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 511. I'll have links to everything and links to their music, links to Usad's Insta and all that kind of stuff. So definitely check that out. Again, drummersresource.com forward slash session 511. Hey, if you're looking for a few creative ways to increase your speed and dexterity around the kit and all those things grab a copy of my ebook it's on drummersresource.com if you just go there the book is called stick control variation so it's 11 creative exercises to help you work through that book stick control just go to drummersresource.com sign up for the mailing list you'll get the ebook for free and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace